0: The Naive Theater of the Air presents Rewired by Matthew Broyles. Episode 14,
1: Rules of Engagement. Nina woke to the sound of snoring. She couldn't tell where it was coming from or quite remember where she was. A gas heater hissed quietly in the corner, and the previous night began coming back to her. Daylight crept in behind the thick curtains. There was no clock in the room, so she wasn't sure how long she'd been out. Vincent lay unconscious on a neighboring cot. She always looked dead when she slept and Nina had to fight the urge to check her breathing. Finally, her ears traced a loud snore to the open bedroom door. It was the Basset Hound, kicking a fat leg, running like the wind in some canine dream. He hadn't left his post, she noted. Good dog. Getting up slowly, she stepped gingerly over the animal and into the living room. A faint tune drifted through another doorway on the opposite end. She followed it and found Ricky on a kitchen chair, feet propped up on the table. He was picking faintly on an old, weathered guitar. She wondered if he'd even gone to bed. He nodded at her as she walked through the kitchen door, jerking his head towards a pot of coffee and some biscuits, which were still warm. He continued his meandering dirge while she filled a plate and cup, and sat down at the other end of the table. Only then did he remove his feet.
2: Beg pardon, being out here this long ain't done my manners any good.
1: What
3: did you come out here for in the first place?
2: Running. Getting away from people who know what I like helped me do it too much.
3: Why here?
2: Press was right. I don't know anybody around for miles, which meant they didn't know me either. I haven't been here but two years when the war came. I loaded up and waited for the shit to go down, but I guess there weren't any targets on my land worth shooting at. By the time things stuck in place, I was kind of afraid to go anywhere, to tell you the truth. I guess I'm still waiting it all out.
3: How do you know mist?
2: Bad penny. I tried to shake him along with everybody else when I left New Orleans, but he kept up with me. We rode each other for a long time. Kind of weird to see him, actually. He's pretty much the only one left who remembers me from back then.
3: You don't sound like you're from Louisiana.
2: No, ma'am. Dallas. Ended up in New Orleans with a girlfriend. We both got locked up after a few years, but they had more on her than they had on me, so when I got out, I split town.
3: Locked up for what?
2: Heron. Best feeling in the world. Sorry. Don't be, unless you brought any. You didn't bring any, did you?
1: Her eyes went wide. She could see the crazy in him, deep set, permanent. But then it was gone, with a knowing wink.
2: I'm fucking with you. If I was still on that shit, I'd be dead by now. I can't shuffle off yet. Danny needs me.
3: I can tell he keeps you in line.
2: Well, present company accepted, of course, but honest to Pete, I wouldn't care if I saw another human for the rest of
1: my days. It's nature that keeps me straight. Oddly, she could see that. Life alone in the woods might be psychologically uncomplicated in its own way. Maybe one day she could get a dog in a shotgun shack too.
3: How far is it to the fort?
1: An hour or
2: so on foot to the border, then maybe another hour to the gate.
3: Any idea what's waiting for us on the other side?
2: Same bullshit, different name. Nothing's ever
1: made me want to go past that gate.
3: Does the VEF ever come up here?
1: Not anymore. His fingers went back to picking out their earlier tune. A distant sound, gloomy but veering towards hopeful in spots. She turned her gaze to the middle distance.
3: I don't even know what the hell I'm doing out here.
1: You know, I'm in
2: the business of making sure that nothing that happens outside of my land is my business. But you're on my land now. If you don't want to go to the fort, I won't make you and neither can she.
1: He nodded towards the bedroom where Vincent still slept. Nina's heart leapt a little at the thought. She believed him. He could send the bitch across the border, and Nina could, what, stay here? Unlikely. Unwise, probably. Ricky had isolated himself for a reason, and she certainly couldn't go back in the other direction. Her silence caught his attention. He put down the guitar and picked up his coffee mug, taking a sip.
2: You're different than the last year they sent through here. He was like a goddamn revival preacher. Where was he from? That's the kind of thing I make sure not to ask, but I'd guess Caribbean from his accent. Short, bony, strong handshake, though. Came from somewhere hard. When was this? A month ago? Maybe two. I lose track of time.
3: (laughs) I'm not even a seer.
2: Hell, I know what you are. Truth be told, I don't think anyone knows much of anything anymore. All I'm saying is that nobody tells me what to do on my land, and that includes your
3: friend in there. I appreciate it, but we're in this together, better or worse. If I had another choice, I'd take it.
2: You and me both. You want first dibs on the shower, now's the time. My water heater takes longer to get it back up than my dead granddaddy.
3: Did he ever come back? The Caribbean guy?
2: Not through here, he didn't. If you see him, tell him I said hey.
3: Hmm, I'll do that.
1: By noon, they had loaded up their backpacks with supplies. Ricky had made an extra batch of biscuits for the road dug out some beat-up metal canteens for them. There was no sign of Mist. It made Nina a bit sad that she hadn't said goodbye, but it was probably for the best. Sentimentality wasn't going to do her any good out here. Thinking about his connection to Ricky, she reflected that she likely knew a lot less about Mist than she thought. Crazy young men and their wild oats. It was best that she didn't know. That was probably true about most people, she supposed. Still, he'd turned out all right in the end. The cold hadn't let up, and the thermal underwear Vincent had packed for them was struggling to do its job as they walked away from the house and into the woods. There was no snow or ice, just a damp deadness in the scrubby, brittle plants they stomped through. Their breath fogged the air, which seemed close and silent in the lifeless winter chill. Two hours, Nina recalled. At least. It would be a long walk. Ricky led the way, a rifle holstered on his back. No telling what else he was packing, Nina thought. She felt a little thrill of fear at someone so unfazed by danger. He reminded her a little of her brother. The memory came back numbly. She hadn't had any time on this trip to grieve, let alone to find out why the hell he had gotten mixed up with the VEF at all. Hearing Vincent's brazen stomp behind her, she flushed a little. One day, they would have a talk. The land was hilly and they kept to the high ground as much as possible. Nina had no idea how Ricky knew where the hell he was going, but she trusted him, and as much as she trusted anyone. At last, they came to a clearing. Ricky turned around and indicated a big, lumpy rock that stuck out like a bench from the ground.
2: Rest here a minute. I'll go check the sensors up ahead and make sure there ain't any funny business.
1: He ambled up the trail as she and Vincent, both visibly winded, came to rest on the rock.
4: They better have antibiotics for my pneumonia. We're headed for a doctor's office. He can do plenty more than clear up your sniffles. You sure they know we're coming? Cutler says he pings the army by telegraph when someone comes through. We'll meet up with them at the gate.
1: Ricky was out of sight now. In the clearing, they both felt exposed and kept looking around expectantly. Vincent got up and started pacing. Nina couldn't see adding more mileage to her already tired legs, so she stayed put, rubbing her gloved hands together vainly. After a few too many minutes went by, Nina started worrying a little. She didn't know how long it took to check the border, but this seemed excessive. Vincent was tense, too, yet nothing stirred in the wilderness as far as they could tell. Nina knew that Vincent was armed, but had never seen her in combat and didn't know how safe to feel. The tension drew on the longer Ricky was away, yet they said nothing more. Finally, blessedly, the familiar rangy form came back into view except this time there was a hustle that hadn't been in its step before. Not running exactly, but not walking. Something was up. Vincent knew it too.
4: What is it?
2: Ain't right, whatever it is. Armed lookouts just past the cameras, but not Army. Are you sure? I know Republic Army. This ain't them. I'm guessing VEF.
4: Surely that's alright. Maybe with this high-value target.
2: No, ma'am. You don't know Colonel Haley. Rules and regs. No substitutions.
4: But we're going to see the VEF anyway. That's our mission. Look.
2: You may be VEF, but you ain't Abilene VEF. A part of my friends with Jeff Horton don't know his ass from grass. These guys look nervous as hell until I know why you're not going to cross that border.
1: Nina's gut froze. This was more like what she'd been expecting. That didn't make it any easier for her to wrap her brain around. Armed militias on the lookout for them. For her. Meanwhile, Vincent had gotten her finger point on.
4: Mr. Cutler, I don't need your permission to cross that border. If you intend to obstruct my mission... You cross
1: that
2: camera lens and you've tipped off Washington to the best-kept secret of the VEF and the Republic, and that route will be useless. Your buddies back home will not appreciate it, and I personally will shoot you in the ass on your way
1: out. Vincent swallowed her next volley and stewed for a moment. Yet Nina felt no triumph, only more fear. The air thickened around them.
4: So what's your plan? Sit around here and freeze to death while we wait for the Army to show up?
1: I got a shed not far from here.
2: There's a split off from the telegraph wire and a hatch underneath. I can clip this to it. Morse beeper. We can communicate with Haley's office and see what's what.
3: When you say not far... Ten
2: minutes. And no, you can't stay here.
1: No malice or pity. Just a fact. She nodded in resignation. Vincent stood impatiently, hands on her hips. Ricky turned towards the trees, a different direction this time. The two women followed, hastily. I'm always passed more slowly on hold, Haley thought, cursing himself yet again as he held the radio, waiting for the Abilene Territory office to patch him through. The presence of Lieutenant Graham's squad had kept Horton from reapproaching them, but there was no sign of any VEF exodus from the gate. He wasn't used to them being quite so brazen. Graham was less surprised.
4: Something's been giving them more swagger lately, sir. They're winning seats in government and starting to feel legitimate.
5: Legitimate, my ass. If the Vorn are real, the first person they need to kill is Jeff Horton.
4: Don't say that out loud, sir. He's running for office this year. Well,
5: then I'm running in the other direction.
4: Okay, Colonel. Governor Milam on the line for you.
6: Colonel Haley. Governor, it's been a while. Longer than it should have been. Mr. Horton had some interesting things to say about our incoming visitors, Colonel. Things you seem to have decided to keep to yourself.
1: Levine and Haley shared a glance. They knew there would be a reckoning for their secrecy.
5: And here it was. With all respect, Governor, we've been working with limited information. We felt it would be best to get as much intel as possible rather than wasting your time with fragments.
6: These don't sound like fragments to me, Colonel. These sound like icebergs a mile deep. Apparently our missing Dr. Neidhart thinks so, too. Haley
1: cursed silently. He would ferret out that VEF mole if it was the last thing he did. Only a handful of people in Texas should have known about that picture or her involvement but it would do him no good to fight that battle now.
5: Governor, nothing in our approach here deviates from best practices. We will take custody of the new arrivals as usual and debrief them. You'll receive a full report. The Army has much more experience in border crossings than Mr. Horton's organization.
6: Experience, yes. Transparency, no. We've discussed this before, Colonel, year after year. We request more access to Dr. Lilly's research, and... If by we, you mean yourself and Governor Tyler, I am well aware. However,
5: I am answerable to the entire Council.
6: Yes, the Council. I've called a special session to discuss the import of these findings. This is a matter that must be addressed by the People's Representative, not unelected bureaucrats. An excellent
5: idea, sir. I look forward to meeting with you. In fact, I'll bring the entire dossier, everything we have on the situation which will grow exponentially after we make contact with the incoming refugees. I'm sure
6: it will, but how much of that information will the Council see? I have recommended that we take a different approach this time. Compare and contrast. An interesting recommendation.
5: However, as you know, any changes in policy must be ratified by a majority of the Governor's Council in order to have any effect on the scope of my duties. In the meantime... In
6: the meantime, I suggest you weigh your priorities, Colonel. Time marches on. We've left the Wild West days of the reclamation behind us. A government without accountability is a tyranny.
1: The colonel had to stop himself from breaking the radio into shards on the dash. If only half the shit he heard about Milam's plundering of territory funds came to light, he'd be run out of town on a rail. The VEF had clearly buttered his re-election bread, and he was returning the favor. But Haley was not a politician. He was done being lectured.
5: Governor, unless I receive notification in the next ten minutes from the council secretary that a change has been made in the regulations governing border crossings, we are
6: proceeding by the book. Watch yourself, Levi. This is my territory, and these men are acting with my permission.
5: That is not a permission you are legally qualified to grant unilaterally, Governor. These fugitives are mine until the council decides otherwise. I have two platoons that will carve a hole through any resistance between the Fort Walters gate and the border. For the safety of your citizens, I recommend you get them out of my way. Goodbye, Governor. I'm an idiot. I had no idea that the VEF had infiltrated every fucking orifice in the government. They haven't yet. There's no way Governor Gomez will go for this.
1: That was true enough. Most of the San Angelo territory borders were with Mexico. And Gomez was more interested in fostering illicit trade than dealing with border disputes. He'd just as soon let the Army handle that business. So too would Midland's Governor Hidalgo. Amarillo's Governor Tyler, despite being nuts, was apparently not crazy enough for the Panhandle's tastes. It had gotten primaried by more radical elements, which made him veer even farther towards the VEF than he had in the past. The real wild card here was Lubbock. Governor Conrad was weathering a particularly nasty scandal involving at least one underage intern, and his re-election bid was up for whatever swing voters he could bring in. If the more anarchical elements would cough up the most cash, he wasn't likely to turn them down. However, elections were in November. This was February.
5: It's academic. If they give me a new law, I'll follow it. Until then, they can go fuck themselves. Concho, this is Cottonmouth, come in.
4: Concho here, sir, over. Tell
5: your inbound units to gird their loins. We are shooting anything that carries a rifle and is not Republic Army or refugee, per the description provided previously. Disable if possible, but terminate if necessary. Cottonmouth out. Are you sure
2: we want to do this?
5: No, I'm not, but we can't let this stand. The VEF is not in charge. Not yet. There are laws, dammit, and right now they're breaking them.
1: The Major nodded, straightening his jacket. Haley's mind spun around. If there was one force that stood any chance of outflanking Milam...
5: Concho, this is Cottonmouth. Come in.
4: Concho here, sir. Over.
5: Get the home office to patch me through to Speaker Rommel. Cottonmouth out. You're not. Milam wants a public conversation. Let's have one. The VEF already have intel they're not supposed to, and they leak like a goddamn sieve. The Disciples will find out anyway. And at least this way, we're not their first target. I'll beef up security around the lab. Put a whole company out there. And a couple of tanks. I'm done fucking with these people.
4: Speaker Rummel on the line for you.
5: Gracias.
1: Colonel Haley, I must say, this is an unexpected call, but a welcome one. Rummel was a true believer, Haley knew. His efforts to convert members of the Army were relentless and had been stymied quietly but consistently by the colonel at every opportunity. Their relationship was distant and strained. Haley hoped he was opening the right can of worms.
5: Speaker, I don't have a lot of time here, but suffice it to say that I need a favor.
1: Go on.
5: We are attempting to welcome a seer and her companion to the Republic at a line crossing.
1: Her, you say? Yes, Speaker. He guessed now that somehow the disciples had gotten word of Selden's journey, but not of the young woman's. He decided to let the former matter slide for the moment.
5: A young lady and her guide. She is en route to Dr. DeLaw.
1: I see,
0: but...
5: Speaker... It seems Governor Milam has got it in his head that the VEF would make a better escort than the Republic Army. I have the situation in hand on the ground, but he is calling a special council meeting to try and give the VEF more involvement in border crossings.
0: Is he indeed?
5: I'm afraid so, Speaker. I thought you should know.
0: Colonel Haley, you have no idea how much I appreciate you bringing this to my attention. No trouble at all,
5: Speaker. As I say, I'm pressed for time at the moment, so...
0: Don't worry, Colonel. Our organization is in your debt.
1: And we do not forget. Thank you. Haley wasn't sure which shitstorm he was looking forward to at least. The one he had just kicked off in the halls of government. Or the one that would fire up the moment Graham's reinforcements got there. Which, as he saw in his side-view mirrors, was nigh. There was still no sign of any VEF retreat through the gates and the arrival of four more army vehicles did not bring Horton forth from his truck.
5: Concho, Cottonmouth here. Gate target still in position?
4: Yes, sir. Over.
5: Take him out.
1: A volley of fire opened up from the trucks into the bushes surrounding the Fort Walters gate. The sniper in the tree fell heavily to earth. Soldiers fanned out in the driveway, advancing on Horton's truck. Haley got out and followed them with a bullhorn staring Horton and his flunky down as they approached.
5: You are under arrest for unlawful paramilitary activities in a border crossing zone. Step out of the vehicle or you will be shot.
1: Horton and his associate, a lanky man barely out of his teens, got out with their hands above their heads. Once the soldiers had cuffed them, Haley stepped forward and grabbed Horton's lapel.
5: Now you call those men back from that zone. They are enemy combatants and will be subject to field execution if they do not surrender immediately.
1: Levine brought the CB over and clicked it on, holding it to Horton's face. The big man shook but did not speak.
5: Call those men back now. This is a war. If you shoot my men, you'll prove us right. The whole republic will know it.
1: Levine clicked off the CB. He threw a concerned look at the colonel. Haley sighed and got into Horton's face. He pointed at the fallen sniper a
5: few yards away. This is exactly what Washington wants. Texans fighting Texans. Doing their work for them. Rotting the frame from the inside so they can crush our broken shell. Are you really prepared to give them that advantage?
1: Horton had no reply. Only his best effort at a stony glare. Of course Haley thought. He hadn't reasoned it out that far and didn't want to. He pulled Horton closer.
5: You're ready to throw away your men's lives, but not yours. That's what I know, you chicken shit rat fucker.
1: The colonel threw Horton to the ground and turned towards the soldiers.
5: You have your orders. Do not endanger the refugees. If they fall into VEF hands... Do not engage. Consult me or Major Levine immediately. Go!
1: The bulk of the force streamed through the gate. Haley and Levine followed, a squad at their rear. The retired U.S. Army base was big and riddled with abandoned barracks and installations. At one point in World War II, it was the largest infantry training camp in the United States. After its deactivation, sections of it had briefly become an industrial park, but that dried up after the reclamation, leaving yet more vacant edifices. With all security cameras on a loop, courtesy of the VEF, every building was a potential sniper nest. If Haley could have brought two whole companies in, he would have. As it stood, the goal was to secure a path between Cutler's border gap and the gate. He had no idea how many VEF nutbars were scattered around the base, but if they were stupid enough to open fire on Graham's troops, they deserved the scourge that would follow. Abruptly, his radio scratched to life. Major Gonzalez from her base in San Angelo.
6: Cut and melt, this is Coach Whip, over.
5: Roger. Cottonmouth here. Over.
6: Transmission from Racer.
4: Reports unauthorized military units in entry zone. Request field security status.
1: That was both good and bad. BEF had the crossing covered, but Cutler had spotted them. No doubt he was at the comm shack with the travelers. Still in wired territory, which for the moment was preferable.
5: Coach Whip, security status is code 108.
1: A pause. It wasn't a code that had come up before, but it was on the books, just in case.
4: Roger that. We'll advise racer. Over.
1: Got mouth out. Cutler and the travelers would stay put until they were told that the crossing was safe. The likelihood of a hostage situation had just decreased dramatically. The formation swept northwest, encountering no resistance. Horton's people were out there, Haley knew. But he hoped with all his might that their self-preservation instincts were in working order. Either that or they were waiting to act until the targets were in sight. That worried him the most. He got on the bullhorn again
5: all unauthorized combatants in this zone surrender now and you will not be fired upon and that means killed
1: the colonel knew how it sounded to people like horton the jackbooted government juggernaut stamping out the rights of the common citizen if only he knew how little haley wanted to be there saying these things killing those dumb bastards at the gate the body count of the reclamation was enough for a hundred lifetimes he didn't need more on his conscience He would be damned to dress up dolly idiots who wanted to play soldier were going to start calling the shots on this ground where he'd seen so many good people die. At length, they arrived at the drop point, a small circle of cedar trees. Ahead lay the wired border cameras just out of range. He would need Cutler to knock those offline before they could proceed and make sure the VEF units he'd spotted at the crossing were cleared out. He got on the radio. All the way to Texas, Nina had been preparing herself for the worst. But given that she had no idea what the worst was, her preparations now seemed to have been woefully inadequate. She had not, for instance, done any long-distance hiking, nor had she insisted on battery-powered warming undergarments. Last but certainly not least, she was not acclimated to the smell of dead possum. The corrugated tin shed reeked of its late occupant, which lay frozen and yet decaying in the middle of the floor. Ricky squatted in one corner with what he described as his beeper, a pocket Morse device clipped onto a wire drawn up from a well-hidden hatch. Vincent stood sentry at the rusty door, hand on her pistol. Something about what Ricky had said seemed to have unnerved her. how she was VEF, but not Abilene VEF. Nina wondered how well the doctor knew the people she was about to deal with. Not for the first time, she wondered how much choice in the matter Vincent had gotten in the first place. She was a researcher, not a field agent. College car bombings notwithstanding, Nina had developed a distinct sense that the doctor was making things up as she went along. Watching Ricky pulse his arcane messages across the border, she saw it more clearly. Here was somebody who had thought everything out. Put in fail-safe measures. Vincent was just bluffing her way through. The thought made her feel more helpless than ever. Her heart pounded in her head. She had to say something.
3: Why are you so scared of the Abilene VEF?
1: He held up a hand as he finished keying his message. Didn't even look at her. Knew what he was doing. Vincent's eyes darted between them. Let him work. It was clear she didn't want this discussion to happen. After a moment, Ricky looked up, patiently.
2: Look, I don't give a shit about politics or religion or whatever the fuck. All I know is when I meet a man, I can tell if he has more than two brain cells to rub together. As much as I don't really care for Colonel Haley, he isn't stupid. Jeff Horton, on the other hand...
4: I'm not interested in your untrained hunches. I am.
2: Why don't you trust him? Because he thinks having more guns makes him right. Which, when you think about who or what he's trying to start a war with...
4: Horton is not the only VEF leader in the Republic. There are those with more vision. Like who? Like Dr. Lilly. He's dead. Everybody
3: knows that.
2: Not dead. And damn sure not VEF. You've met him? A month or two ago, when the last seer came through. Of
4: course. Subject QVH. I didn't
3: realize he came through here. You're telling me that Dr. Waylon Lilly is alive? I thought he was killed when they took out the lab in Austin.
2: That's a story, but there he was in my kitchen. I can't even tell you why. But I will say this. If it was him on the other side of that border waiting for you, I wouldn't hesitate to send you.
4: He is waiting for us.
2: If you believe that, then you know that Haley's the one over there with the power to keep him hidden. He's your path to Lilly, not Horton. These assholes think they're putting one over on the army, stealing a weapon to use against the bug eyes. They think this girl's a fucking grenade or something. They have no goddamn clue. Lily does, and I'm trying to get her to him. If you're as smart as you think you are, that's what you want, too.
1: Nina goggled at Vincent, who was visibly unsettled. Ricky's device began beeping again, and he turned his full attention to it. Nina silenced herself. For her, everything hung on what Ricky said next what information he was getting over the telegraph. Vincent's opinion of the situation ranked somewhere below that of the dead possum. A few tense moments went by, the silence broken only by faint, arrhythmic beeps. So much fate in such a tiny wire. At last, Ricky disengaged the device, dropped the wire, closed the hatch, kicking Hay back over it. Nina and Vincent waited, desperately.
2: Haley's at the drop point. I gotta knock the wired circuits offline so his people can recon. He wants you to stay with me. We'll wait by the southeast camera till he sends a squad.
1: The report brought no protest. They followed him out of the shed, back the way they came. Nina was no longer aware of the cold. Her mind obsessed on the forces vying for possession of her addled brain. A weapon. At that moment, she knew. Vincent had been lying the whole time. She had no interest in solving the Vorn dilemma. She was VEF. She was smuggling a weapon. Part of her wanted to tackle the bitch and take her gun right then, although this clearly wasn't a good time. But it could be too late very soon. She hoped Ricky's appraisal of Lily was correct. The name still boggled her mind. It was a fixed point in history, like Lincoln's assassination. The wired capture of the Austin lab and Lily's last stand were the hinge upon which the rewired world swung. If that anchor point was imaginary... What other truths lay in wait behind the curtain? Stomping across the scrubby turf, she resisted the urge to stop and have a good scream. It was coming. She didn't know how much longer she could hold it back. The sight of Ricky, trudging purposefully towards his goal, brought the modicum of reassurance she needed. Someone out here knew what they were doing. With any luck, the Republic Colonel did, too.
0: You've been listening to the naive Theater of the Air performance of Rewired, featuring Stefan Prigmore as Ricky Cutler, Trista Morris as Nina, Mana as Dr. Romana Vinson, Hilary Tips as Lieutenant Stacey Graham, Keegan McEnroe as Colonel Levi Haley, Jeff Gibbons as Governor Milam, Antonio Thomas as Major Curtis Levine, Nancy Giammarco as Major Gonzalez, and Ian Mead Moore as Jeff Wharton. Written and narrated by Matthew Broyles. Theme music by Paul Shapira. I'm Little Jack Melody, a.k.a. Speaker John Rummel. Tune in next time for episode 15, Through Lines.